Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Big Blue Insider is on. News Radio 630 WLAP and the iHeartRadio app. To interact with the show, call us at 859-280-2287. That's 859-280-CATS. Or you can tweet us at BigBlueInsider1. Now, here's Dick Gabriel. Welcome back to the Big Blue Insider. Dick Gabriel, Billy Rutledge on a warm and humid Thursday afternoon or evening. But before long, it will give way to warm and humid days on the football field for the Wildcats. I guarantee you they're already working out. Everybody is all over the place. And they get a much better offseason, the players do, than they got last year, which means they should have a better season, at least the football Wildcats. And whatever they do this year, Jeff Pecoro will be behind the mic right next to Tom Leach as part of the UK Radio Network. He is on our Celebrity Hotline. Champion, how are you tonight? I always get a kick about you calling it a Celebrity Hotline. Well, if you're on the hotline, that makes you a celebrity. Does that make sense? I guess. Caught you on the speaker in my phone. own mind, right? That's exactly right. Uh, but I do want to ask you, Jeff. We were talking uh, off air earlier today about the fact that the schedule is out, and yeah. now the um, uh, game times uh, have been assigned to three of them. But the way the schedule looks, Kentucky's got a chance to really make some things happen. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, five of your first six games are at home. I mean, that's that's amazing. You have the one game in South Carolina in the middle of that, but other than that, it's all home games. So, yeah, and and, and you know, you 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 listen to the pundits out there, and I like the SEC, my guy, and and uh, you know, some of those those sites, and they say that really Kentucky could be undefeated playing Florida. So, you know, you start off, you got Monroe, then you have Missouri, which is going to be a big game because it's an SEC game, then Chattanooga, then you head to South Carolina, and then, then the two, the really three back-to-back games, back-to-back-to-back, Florida at home, LSU at home, and then two Georgia. But, um, yeah, I mean, you could really be 4-0 heading to Florida, and if you get the win there over the Gators, then you have LSU at home, and, man, I mean, if you're 6-0, and October 16th, between the hedges, it's going to be absolutely wild. Yep. Uh, you know, you mentioned Missouri, and uh, I know there were several disappointments last year, but in terms of just bad performances, would you agree Missouri was the worst? Yeah, that was like Tennessee a couple of years ago. Yeah. You know, that was the game where they just you, – you're going, what is going on? You know, as the game is going on, you're thinking, these guys don't want to be here. <laughs> they, don't, yeah. they don't want to play. And, you know, you and I have had this discussion for years of, you know, baseball is 162 games in the pros, and, you know, even college is, what, what are they playing now, 60 games? Seems and, like. and there's going to be games when you just not, you know. But in football, it's 11 games. That's it. <laughs> if you can't get up for 11 games, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. 
Yeah, in fact, I always go back to, and I know a lot of players have a similar philosophies and may state them differently, but I remember Anthony White saying to me once on air, he said, look, if someone has to explain to me, meaning a coach, because people always talk about coaches got to motivate players. He said, if a coach has to, has to tell me why it's important for me to be excited on Saturday, then I need to turn in my helmet. And I know that's you agree. Right. Oh, that's right. I mean, the, the, the thing that really bothers you as a player is if you're not a great player and you have to go out there and give a hundred and, you know, you always say 110%, but you have to play your hardest every single snap just to even stay half a step behind those guys. <laughs> and then those guys kind of dog it, yeah. you know, and then you're like, oh, man. This is not good because, you know, you know what I mean? And that, that's the tough part about it. But, you know, and, and it's just the, the game has changed. The people have changed. And the, the way the game is played has changed. The way it's televised and the highlights has all changed. And, again, I don't want to sound like the cynical old man, but, you know, it, it really is. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's almost a made-for-TV sport now. Jeff, what are some of the benefits that the 2021 Kentucky football team will have because they get get to go through an off season, a, a summer, unlike the twenty twenty team that had to <laughs> that really missed it all. Well, I think the biggest thing they get is is the guys that are returning and and the guys that opted back in for an extra year. Guys like Luke Fortner and and Darren could have gone. He could have been a very high draft pick, and he's coming back. So I think that is that's where you have to look at and go, wow, that's to me is is the big thing. And and then obviously with the new offense coming in. Now you're now you had spring with it, and now you're going through winter workouts, and, and, and you do a lot of stuff in winter workouts, is what we call it, summer workouts, where you're you know you're working out with your the other players, and you're running the plays you're going to be running, so you're just getting more adjusted to it. You're getting adjusted to the the, the real difference. To tell you the truth, guys, is is the terminology. You know, a pass route's a pass route. You're going to run a post. You're going to run a post, but it's the terminology of it, and and getting that second nature and. You know, Dick and I talk about this all the time, too, is Jared Lorenzen, so the hardest part for him was remembering the plays one year for the next because it was a different <laughs> coordinator each year. Yeah. And yeah. you have to remember, oh, crap, this is past 82, not Z-zip, you know, waggle or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's, it just changes. And in the heat of battle, you go back to what you're familiar with and comfortable with, and maybe that was a play from last year, and it's not this year. So you, that's the thing that you, you like by having a whole, uh, a whole spring, a whole summer, you know, under this guy and the tutelage of Liam and, and really these guys coming around at the terminology and, and the way they're, they're going to uh, play the game under him. We talked about the wide receiver core the last time you were on with mm-hmm. us, Jeff, and I know it's not the last time we'll talk about it, but I want to talk about it from your vantage point as a guy. You, you know, you were referring to yourself as a guy who had to bust his ass just to stay a step or two behind <laughs> the, the good guys, with all due respect, but um, – you went through the summer workouts. You you did all this work, uh, and and didn't of course get a chance to uh, to play as much as some of the other guys. But tell me a little bit about it, to to follow up on Billy's question. You've got the new offense. You've got mm-hmm. a new quarterback coming in along with two other guys. One of these guys will be a starter, and, and with one exception, has never started an SEC game. Uh, yeah. and a lot of new faces at wide receivers. So tell me what, what's going to go on between now and the, the opening of what they call, you know, camp, yep. as these guys get to know each other. 
Yeah, so what you do now is the coaches can do everything except go out on the field. They can't go out on the field and coach you. But they can leave balls for you to go out with. They can leave uh, the playbook out there for you to, to take out with you uh, and, and run through stuff. Uh, the, the only difference is there's not a coach there. The coach is going to be, uh, you, you know, the, the three quarterbacks, I think, will be the coaches for the offense. And the same thing with the defense. Uh, you know, they, they can't be out there. So you're going to go out. You're going This is where you learn your timing. With, with, you know, for me, it was with Bill or, or with Randy Jenkins or, or Doug Martin is in the summertime. You're just out there and you're, you're learning how many steps is he comfortable with, with me taking extra when I'm trying to run a post or when I'm trying to run a corner. Um, so you're getting down that, you know, I call it a cadence because that's what it is. And, and I always talk about sports is, is it's almost like dancing. It's all rhythm. Yeah, and you're getting into that quarterback's rhythm. How long? And, and you've got to remember too, because with 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 when I played, most of the snaps were under center, and they're going to take a bunch of snaps this year from under center. So you have to figure out how many steps I can take to run a 12 or 14 yard pass pass route, and how long it takes that quarterback to take his five or seven step drop in your head. And this is where you learn that. Is, is right now, yeah. is going out there right now when it's hot and, and nasty and you, you may have worked today and you go over there after work and the quarterback's out there with, with his receivers. And, and so, so this is where you get that familiarity, how his ball comes out of his hand, yep. how he likes to throw it to the outside, how he likes to throw to the inside. Um, you know, is, is he better on crossing routes? Is he better on the deep out? You know, everybody's got those passes that they're, they, they really like, you know. The, the good thing about this Kentucky team now and the two quarterbacks that, that we talk about mostly, and that's Allen and Gatewood, is they're really good at paying, throwing the deep pass. And now you've got guys that can take the top off with Wondell and you know with Josh. And, and you have to remember, what Wondell brings is pressure off of Josh on the other side now. Sure. Um, he's going to get double teamed. They're going, to, they're going to rotate the defense towards his side. So you're going to see Josh Ali – a lot of times on the back side or the front side, whatever, and he's not going to get the best defender. That's going to be on Wandell now. So I think Josh is going to have a huge year. And also with the tight ends that Kentucky's employing and the way they're employing them in the passing game, you're going to get a lot of mismatches on them. You're going to get smaller secondary guys, be it safeties or that third corner trying to cover, uh, a, a, you know, the Upshaw and base who can really get down the field. And and I think that's. That's the big thing because those guys now are going to be single covered. I think you're going to see a lot of zone against this Kentucky team because of the speed they're going to now have, oh, yeah. which they really haven't had in a long time. Jeff, would you say defensive coordinator Brad White is the most qualified person on the staff to be the next head coach of a football program somewhere else? Yeah, probably. Him or Vince. I think both of them only because Vince has played and, you know, and stuff. But, yeah. Uh, he's done a great job um, in, in the re- relatively short time he's been here. He's really changed the philosophy of the defense. He's changed the way they play defense. When Mark first got here, it was, you know, Mark loved the secondary and, and wanted to get bigger and stronger in the back end. But really, what, what he's been able to do is bring quality to the edges. And I just think he's a sensational coach, and it's not going to be long before he's offered. And, and I think now – when you get to the point where he is, you don't have to take, and I'm, and I, 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 I'm not trying to slight anybody by saying this, but you don't have to take a job at a, a Lon or a Davidson or a, 
you know, a, a middle Tennessee, uh, you know, now he right. can wait to get a better good job because he's now proven that he can handle and, and he can, he can really develop players uh, that are, that are big time, big time I'm talking first round draft pick type players on the defensive side. I think since, since the three of us talked, uh, Klingscale left for Michigan. Yes. Yep. What, what yep. kind of impact? And I, I don't want to, obviously his recruiting, uh, had become superior in terms yep. of coaching the position. It's great to have a guy on your staff who happens to be the head coach and knows a little something about D backs. You think it's going to be felt more in the recruiting situation? Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. I think that was, that's the only reason Michigan came after me because they've already, they struck out with, with Vince the first time yeah. when they tried to get him. And, and, you know, Mark said, we can't lose him, do anything you can to keep him. And, and, Mitch did, and I think that was, to me, um, maybe one of the biggest things that Mitch Barnhart's done for football, uh, you know, since he's been here, was doing that. I think that was huge to keep Vince. Now, Klingscale is going to, I don't think it hurts them as much on the coaching side, because as you said, Mark really is attuned to the defensive backfield. He's a very good defensive backfield coach. Um, but the, 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 he was as good. He was on par with Vince in recruiting. He brought yeah. in some great players. Now, what the, the big thing that's, that's really helped is Summerall has really picked up the pace, and he yep. picked up the slack for you know, losing Schlarman and, and now losing Klinkscale. He's going to be the, the, the – him and Vince are the two main guys now, and it's going to be interesting to see how the new coaches fit in in those roles, you know, of, you know, you look at a guy like Cohen who's coming from the NFL, he didn't have to do any recruiting there, you know. Right. You just you just coach. So it's gonna be real interesting to see how those guys do off campus uh when they when they try to bring guys in. Well Jeff, Vegas win totals are out and Kentucky sits at six and a half. Do you think that's too low? Unbelievable. Do so I think it's too low? <laughs> if, if, if if I might take a a a junket out to Vegas just so I could take my next <laughs> six months and, and try to uh, getting forbearance with my house and take my mortgage for the next six <laughs> months out there to bet on that. And then on top of that, I'll take the next six months to get another forbearance for six more months and bet minus one against Louisville. Those two bets are <laughs> the most unbelievable bets that Vegas has put out. And those will change if not by the first week, Definitely by the second week of the season. Just referring to the fact that the over and under, according to at least one blog, for Kentucky is six and a half, and for Louisville is six and a half. I can't really say that I know much about Louisville's schedule, but I know they got some work to do over there. So, and obviously, yeah, well, you feel the same they, way. They, yeah, they they did all the major rivalries: Ohio State, Michigan, right. USC, UCLA, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, ten, uh, Kentucky, Louisville, and they said Kentucky's only a one point favorite over Louisville. Wow! I, you know, I, 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 that's the thing that that blew my mind more than the six and a half wins because. I just think this is this could be a breakthrough year for Kentucky, and I I think that uh, Satterfield has shown that he's a he's a really good coach, but he's a little down this year, and they lost two really good players yep. that went real high in the draft too. So, yeah, for them to stay within one point of Kentucky, I think would be phenomenal for Louisville. I just don't see that happening. You know, I forgot I had seen that and I forgot about that. I was just referring to the over and under predictions. Right, but right, but right. yeah, uh, but then again on the other hand, you know, you wonder sometimes, well, Louisville only plays in the ACC. Kentucky's 
in the SEC. But the the good thing is they they get to get back on the field and decide it, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's the fun I, part. again. I think I think those first four games are so important, Dick. If they can go four and zero, and I think Missouri's the, obviously the toughest of those yep. first four games. But if they can get those first four and host Florida on the day before my birthday. <laughs> On October second, <laughs> uh, at, at four and zero, and then win that game, you're going to get so much momentum. Then you've got LSU coming in, who's had some problems. They've lost quarterbacks. They've had some problems there. You don't know what's going to happen with that program with basketball and football. So you know there could be question marks there. And if you win that, now you're six and zero heading to Georgia. Yeah. And we all remember what happened. What was that four years ago here? Yep. When Kentucky played for basically the East Crown, and it was it was awesome atmosphere man that was fun wasn't it that was so much fun one of the biggest games that we've ever covered here jeff pecoro is the color analyst on the uk football network and will be working with of course tom leach and yours truly when the wildcats tee it off on september 4th thank you sir and we will talk to you again before the summer's over have a good one thank you and we're back in just a few here on 6 30 wlap this is the home of the wildcats 6 30 wlap Thanks again to Jeff Pecora for joining us. Billy, did you expect that kind of reaction from Mr. Pecoro when you asked him about the over and under being six and a half wins for Kentucky? And he threw in Louisville for good measure. Yeah, he just he was throwing it all in there. <laughs> um, can't say that I didn't expect it. I know he's a fiery guy, and I have to agree with him, Dick, because yeah. I'm a little shocked, too. Six and a half is a little low for where we are at the Stoops era right now. Well, and I had forgotten about that. He's right, but there was another one of those. And it's fun. All it is is fun. But they, I, there was a blog or some sort of, I don't know what, what do you want to call it, an article, uh, looking ahead to big uh, rivalry games. And, yeah, they made that a one-point game. And then uh, I saw another one that had – you know, the the benchmark football institutions, and I'm paraphrasing, in each state. And, you know, it would be Ohio State and the state of Ohio. Uh, in Kentucky, they chose, whoever it was who did the choosing, chose the Louisville football program, which I thought, at least over the last, the body of work, over, what would you say, Billy, over the last five to eight years, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, right? I mean, besides the Heisman Trophy win for Louisville, I feel like Kentucky's definitely taken off, and especially the last three years, right? I mean, with the yeah. end of Bobby Petrino. And keep in mind, if you will, that and while he was very deserving of the Heisman Trophy, Lamar Jackson lost to Kentucky that year. That's right. That It was a fun football game, and, and, and to this day, relatives and friends of mine who are Louisville fans grumble about, well, if he hadn't fumbled, true. But keep in mind that the reason that Louisville had the football and was going in for what should have been a clinching field goal at least was Kentucky had fumbled. I went back and checked. I thought, am I remembering that right? And, in fact, that was the case. But Lamar Jackson being the competitor that he was in that game was fighting for what I call hero yards. I mean, he was just trying to get like one or two. They would have been meaningless yards. That's when he fumbled and Kentucky executed. And that's one of the differences. We saw it under Rich Brooks uh, with his best teams, and we've seen it under Mark Stoops. Uh, Not always, but oftentimes. And you go back to, uh, well, that year, 
where uh, Austin McGinnis kicked that game-winning field goal and beat Mississippi State with a last-second field goal. It's fun when that happens. You're listening to Big Blue Insider with Dick Gabriel on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. So Susudio, the song or the word that has no meaning. It was just something that Phil Collins liked and dreamed of. Welcome back to the Big Blue Insider, Dick Gabriel, Billy Rutledge. Let's go back to the phones on line two, and that's where we find Pat. How are you, Pat? Good. How are you doing, Dick? What's up? Just calling to ask about your thoughts. I know it's been on a lot of people's mind lately about the baseball team with how they finished and just coming up short with the new stadium for several years. Do you think there's any pressure from the administration to get rid of Mingione, or what's your thoughts on the situation? Well, I think the fact that they just signed into an extension, uh, obviously the timing couldn't have been better for Nick. But uh, to directly answer your question, I think, yeah, there's going to be pressure on him next year to produce uh, because obviously they brought him here to win and to compete for an SEC title, which he did his first year. And, yeah, you can immediately say, well, he you know, inherited all those players. Yes, he did. Uh, but those guys, nobody thought that team was going to do what it did. And, in fact, his biggest job that year was to convince those guys they were good enough to do what they did. Well, now the, the the spikes were on the other foot. He doesn't have enough players like that. They had uh, 10 or 12 of those guys ended up signing pro contracts. Uh, they got to step it up in the recruiting wars and, and figure things out a little bit when it comes to dividing up those scholarships. So, uh, yeah, I think, Pat, I think there's going to be and, – and he'll be the first to tell you that and it, it's a standard coaching refrain – you know, the, the administration can't put any more pressure on me than I put on myself. But you and I both know that when it's pressure from the outside, it, it's a little bit tougher to deal with, don't you think? Yes, yeah. Do you think any of the – I know I saw Cam Hill was transferring, but any of the big guys from this year will return? Or do you think – I mean, he's going to be struggling for talent again next year, it seems. He is, and I think that – the biggest question mark will be John Rhodes because uh, John is a potential superstar player in college baseball. And if you've watched Kentucky play, you know this, but you also know that John struggled this year. And John blamed himself. John put a lot of pressure on himself this year for, uh, for the fact that he did not hit the ball as well as he did last year. Now, if you saw Kentucky play, you know that he was the hard luck guy this year. You know, like Colton Kessler was last year. Uh, you know, Rhodes would barrel up the ball and would go right to somebody. But on the other hand, he led the team in doubles and hit by pitch and walks, was second in homers, uh, and was perfect defensively. So he did contribute, but he wasn't that spark that he was last year when he was freshman of the year, co-freshman of the year. He is eligible to go pro. And I was reading my pal Derek Terry's take on things, and he believes that uh, John still could be a top five-round draft pick. And if that's the case, he should go uh, because it's, it, he's not going to really improve his stock that much. But um, I think that's going to be the biggest question mark. And the second biggest question mark is who else leaves? 
who else transfers? Uh, and, and when your team right. struggles, as you know, that makes uh, the grass on the other side of the fence look a lot greener. I'm sure they'll be active in the transfer market themselves. That's but true. One other question I had is, you know, watching these other teams, it seems like they have more consistent lineups. And it seems Kentucky, you know, to start the year, Kessler wasn't really even playing much. Right. He was behind Rubel Kaba until his injury he got more time. But uh, like Ruben Church, you know, he was really good early, and then we never even saw him again. And then Plastiak didn't even play the first half of the year, and then he plays the second half. I mean, do you feel like it? The I don't know if it's like the evaluation of them or like the consistency in 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 the lineup and stuff would make a difference for them. I don't it, know. Maybe that I'm wrong in that. No, I think a, no. I, I think a consistent another. a consistent lineup is good regardless of the sport. But here's the thing: there was COVID involved. There were times when players quote weren't available. That's true. Yeah. You know, and plus Ruben Church was was nursing at least one injury. Uh, Alex Deegan, who by the end of last year. <laughs> The shortened season was one of the best pitchers they had. And I don't think he really – at times he showed that form, but I don't think he fully pitched back to that form this year. But he was not available for maybe the first half of the season. And he was one of their most consistent and, and one of their, their strongest pitchers last year. So there was a lot of that involved. But the other thing too, Pat, was, uh, you know, they kept looking for answers. Cam Hill was a starter. And uh, Araja knew was the DH, but now they got to start looking for offense. So they move Anu into the outfield. They move Schultz over. Cam comes off the bench, and then after a while, the defense was starting to suffer. So yeah, they were. You're right. They were juggling the lineup all year long. But on the other hand, uh, there were a lot of guys. For instance, Zeke Lewis was a starter, and then he wasn't. Then he came back from an injury, and he had the best run of games of his career. So it just it just varies. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Well, I, I hope the best for them, and I hope they do well. I I don't see a lot of light at the tunnel currently, but uh, I'll be pulling for them nonetheless and hope it, they turn things around. There's a big off season coming up, brother, and we'll keep an eye on it for you. Thanks. Appreciate your call. 280-228-7800-606-4263. Tweet us at Big Blue Insider 1. We mentioned at the top of the show uh, Kentucky softball. And the Wildcats open a super regional play tomorrow down at Alabama. If you are uh, one of the top teams in the country, you get to host a super regional. Kentucky has done that. Uh, the Wildcats didn't quite win enough this year to host a super regional. So now you've got to go into the, the, to the Lions Den, basically. Alabama is a tough place to play. But Kentucky and Bama have split their games this year. Wildcats are going in after winning the regional coming out of the what they call the elimination bracket. Uh, we've always called it the loser's bracket, but uh, I guess in this age of everybody gets a trophy, you don't want to call it that. But anyhow, uh, am I right, Billy? I mean, uh, uh, that th- I think you are. That's the first time I've heard that, but I think that, that would be the reason, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a little more of a genteel uh, terminology. But anyhow, this is a Kentucky team that it looked like was going to roll, but then Notre Dame absolutely blew out the Wildcats, and then Kentucky bounced back with a couple of wins over Notre Dame. So earlier today on Zoom, I asked Rachel Lawson if perhaps that could help them going into the Super Regional, that kind of brush with mortality. uh, Could that really help, as if they need extra focus, help 
this team when it comes time to take on Alabama? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting way of looking at it. You know, it, it is true. I mean, so you get crushed and, and just about everything wrong could have gone wrong for for several players, not just one or two. <laughs> you know, we weren't we weren't strong up the middle, you know, on the mound. We were trying too hard to make pitches. So everything was flat. It was just not great. You know, our offense didn't respond. And um, one of the things that we do all year is we really pride ourselves on our ability to answer back. And I think just focusing on that from, you know, the fall all the way through the winter, you know, all the way through February, early tournaments, going through the SEC, you know, getting beat in a game and then coming back and having to beat the SEC team the next weekend, you know, having a stretch there of about two weeks where we were trying to figure out, you know, our defense just when Mallory Payton got hurt, that was that was a rough stretch for us as well. So we had been through those stretchers before, but we kept, you know, answer back, answer back, answer back. And I think that it was, you know, our mentality to do that uh, really helped us and our ability to um, stay in the moment and really understand that we've got to really take this pitch by pitch. I mean, people really say that, but it's something we focus really hard on. And I think that because everybody had such a bad moment and they were able to pick themselves back up and have a good weekend. Um, I could see where that would give us, us the confidence that we need moving forward. I hadn't really looked at it that way, but that, that does make a lot of sense to me. So how about that? Uh, I kind of tossed it out there and she said it makes a lot of sense. Mentioned how Alabama is one of the big shots when it comes to putting a quality program together and the, uh, everything surrounding Alabama softball and uh, Lawson said the atmosphere down there this weekend, well, it should be great. Really excited to be down here in Tuscaloosa. We're obviously with a familiar foe. We've played four times this year. Right now we're split. We're even two and two. Uh, it's, it's just a great super regional. The other thing that is so cool about it is, you know, the world is starting to get back to normal. Um, with COVID, uh, so inch by inch. And so it's going to be the first time that we've played in a full capacity. And if you've ever watched a game of ours down here in Tuscaloosa, you know, it'll be a straight on full capacity. So it'll be a packed house full of softball fans. You know, they're going to be really ruckus, yelling at us, all that sort of stuff. So it's going to be a great environment if you love the sport of softball. And, and fortunately, we have, you know, some of us have been in this environment before. And, and I think playing down in the SEC tournament um, was helpful just to get familiar with the, you know, with everything that goes on surrounding the softball field. Keith Farmer of uh, the BBN TV show and Channel 18 asked a really interesting question about the fact, and he referenced uh, Mark Stoops, who has said on more than one occasion that going to the bowl games, as his teams have been doing of late, and not just going, but now winning bowl games has taught him a lot about as a head coach uh, about preparing a team for the postseason. And yeah, it's, it's not the championship game, but bowls are big bowls are no matter, especially to a program like Kentucky. And, you know, you, you go down there and, and it was fun to go. Uh, but then they get beat and you're like, nah, you know, uh, it, it's obviously means so much more to the program, obviously to win, but, uh, Stoops has talked about learning how to prepare teams for bowl games, for postseason. And it came in and asked Rachel about, uh, you know, learning about your team when you go to the postseason. Rachel said, not quite the same, but you do learn. 
Hosting is such a big deal for so many reasons. I mean, one of the things that you saw if, if you watch the Alabama regional is their ground is so hard that all their quick little slappers have to do it. And they're amazing. They've got incredible bat control. They just bounced on the ground. And I mean, you even see balls that are bouncing over the top of the shortstop's head, the third baseman's head. So, um, you know, when you're the host and then you have the host crowd and stuff like that. So it's more about what did you learn so that you can position yourself better so that you can either host or you can, you know, get a different personnel or play a game that you can combat some of these outstanding players. So I think our learning is more of a year long process and less about just this one moment in time. That made me think about the 2014 World Series where Kentucky played and uh, was beaten by Alabama and by Baylor. That's that's the two teams that uh, that eliminated Kentucky. And Rachel Lawson talked after that about the fact that she she blamed herself uh, because she felt like Kelsey Nunley wore down. That was Kentucky's star pitcher. And, yeah, there's some truth to that. But And Rachel blamed herself for basically not having enough experience when it comes to handling a pitching staff in a situation like that. Now, what she has left out was in one of those losses – Kentucky, if it makes a routine play on a routine ground ball, I mean, this is a play that Billy could make, that I could make, uh, you know, in a pickup game that we've anybody who's played has made a thousand times if you've played infield, but it didn't happen, and it opened the gates, and Kentucky lost, and you know Rachel. I think still beat yourself up over that loss. And I always want to grab her shoulders and shake her and say, no, no. If if you make a routine play on a ground ball, you know, you might win the World Series that year. Maybe not. Who knows? But anyhow, there there is a lot to learn. There's no question about that. Little things like that and big things uh, like handling your pitchers and that sort of thing. So um, anyway, Lawson talked about the fact that, as she just mentioned, they have – won a series, they split with Alabama, and that should help. You know, you just have to know that you can play with a team. And, and the fact that, you know, we were able to play with them and beat them gives us a big boost. Now, that was in Lexington, back to our crowd. So we had an amazing crowd that evening, um, did such a good job uh, helping us through the thing. Now, playing them in the SEC tournament, I think even though we lost, I think that also is helpful just because we were in that environment a little bit. And so I think that the familiarity with all of that um, certainly will be good. So I think the confidence of knowing you can beat them and the f- familiarity with the environment um, definitely is better for us moving into the games this weekend. Should know more about what's going on down there when we get together tomorrow night. When we come back, college sports and Congress, should they get together? Well, it may they may have no choice. We're back in a minute on 630 WLAP. This is the home of the Wildcats, 630 WLAP. Thanks to our guests, Big Blue Drew and Jeff Pecoro. And by the way, if you have not seen the video yet, you will, I'm predicting, uh, if you look for such things, or you may just happen to see it. But there's some crazy video of Javi Baez running the bases backwards and the Pittsburgh Steelers, Steelers, Pittsburgh Pirates uh, really screwing things up as they try to run him down and another runner down. But 
Well, I, I've kind of searched the Internet and I have not been able to find anybody who has posted or said in the following. He should have been called out immediately. This what he did was he uh, he hits the ball to first base. First baseman, it was two outs. First baseman chases him toward home, at which point batter should have been called out. But he wasn't. So now here comes a guy racing in from third who scores as the Pirates throw it away. And Baez breaks for first. They throw that one away. And he ends up uh, coming all the way. I mean, it was just crazy. It was nuts. But as I said, what should have been said immediately was batters out, plays over, innings over. I uh, haven't seen that yet. So, so how is it different than a pickle then, Dick? If a guy was in a pickle between first and second, he can move backwards. Because as the rule, the rule states that if you're trying to either make a, quote, travesty of the game, and that was not it, or confuse the defense. So and it's up to the umpire. Uh, it's it's one thing or the other. I mean, with pickle or run down, you know that's different. You've got a right to go to one base or the other. You can't reclaim home. You know what I mean? You got to go toward first. Yeah, I, I I could see that. It's just funny that the the most interesting play in baseball in the last two years that has gone viral and gotten everybody interested yeah. <laughs> in it is actually illegal and should have been called out. Exactly. That's baseball for you. That, that, that's true too. But you know, rules are there. So anyhow, uh, going into the break, we mentioned Congress and college athletics, and what has happened is the uh, two senators uh, have gotten together. Uh, Chris Murphy from Connecticut, Bernie Sanders from Vermont, and have introduced legislation specifically related to the collective bargaining rights of college athletes. And if this sounds familiar, Northwestern's players back in 2015 tried to organize and went before the National Labor Relations Board, and they were basically denied or defeated, however you want to put it. Uh, Sanders, in a statement, said college athletes are workers. They deserve pay, union, to own their own name, image, and likeness, uh, which right now is a different issue. He said, we cannot wait for the NCAA to share its billions with the workers who create it. And that's a, a debate that's been out there for a long time. What I find interesting, and Billy and I have argued about this uh, since he started working on my show, uh, but my contention is that room, board, tuition, clothing, food, insurance, everything that you know, for a D1 athlete, the numbers say is worth $100,000 a year is not nothing. But it, I guess obviously depends on how you look at it. But my concern is, and this is going to take, this will take a while. I might, I might not even be on this earth. Billy will be... 20 years into hosting his own show maybe before this happens but uh if and when and it will if and when this all happens here's here's my prediction and you got to write this down billy because i won't be here to okay. say see i told you so or i might be in a home somewhere and you'll say don't listen to that old man um but what will happen is this the rich will get richer and the poor will go away and it's ironic because bernie sanders is a champion of democratic socialism. And really, we all live with it. I'm not going to get into that. But, uh, you know, that, that's essentially, it's not socialism like they have in South American countries or whatever. But, you know, it's spreading things out fairly. Well, um, what will happen now is the biggest schools that have the most money and the best TV contracts will prosper. Kentucky's going to be okay. But money that ordinarily would go to fund championship events or uh, smaller schools, or, well, for instance, 
will every player get the same amount of money? Well, no. Because, well, you know, are you going to pay everybody the same? That's socialism. Do you pay the quarterback the same that you pay the third-string uh, freshman guard? Maybe. But that won't hold up. Image and likeness, you know. You know, I'm, I'm going to go to this school because I can get more money from my image and likeness. So um, a lot of people are going to like this, Mr. Rutledge. You will like it, but eventually it'll bring down college sports. As I well. will be one of them that likes it. I think it's about damn time that the workforce is compensated for the Which millions of are. dollars that it's given to these administrators and these coaches, but not fairly, Dick. I think that the, a scholarship is not nothing, but in the grand scheme of how much money is being made, I think students deserve more. But at the same time, it's going to be a mess. Just like Teachers, professors make huge salaries. The people they teach do not. We'll get into that some other time. Thanks again to our guests. For Billy, Dick Gabriel, that's it. Good night from the garage in Lexington. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.